Welcome to the Walk Out on the Water podcast channel. I'm your host, Caitlin DeBeer. I'm a life coach, previous psychology lecturer, a motivational speaker, and the author of the daily devotional for women, Walk Out on the Water. I'm also a wife, a mum of two littles, and a follower of Jesus. This is a space where I hope to inspire you through interviews, stories of hope, and my own nuggets too, around loving yourself, loving your life, yep, even the mums, and motivating you to want to wake up every morning and live the exceptional life that you were created for. Over to today's episode. Morning everyone, so lovely to be connecting with you. Welcome to this episode. Today we have Jackie McGovern and if you are, um, I suppose, in KZN, but probably the greater South Africa, you may already know her story, but it is powerful and and it is one of, of hope and gracious, the goodness of God. Um, I'm so excited for you to hear today's episode or today's interview. Um, and just knowing that in the book, um, my book, Walk Out in the Water, that this month we're covering the topic of storms. And um, she really did face an enormous storm, and and it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful story. And I'm so excited for you to hear it. So I am going to hand over, and the next voices that you hear will be mine and Jackie's. Enjoy this episode, guys. Cool, Jackie. It's so wonderful to have you here, and even though it's on a computer, um, it's it's so so lovely to finally sort of, if I can say, officially meet you. So welcome to Walk Out on the Water. Thank you. It's such a privilege to be with you. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I um have followed you for a long time and didn't work out sort of how I actually well that I knew you through your sister, which I had no idea. Um. But I had followed you. So sort of when I put two and two together, it's always amazing when you have a link to someone, um, you know, and it's not just like this person you follow on Instagram and think they're amazing, but they actually become a real person. <laughs> um, so, That's yeah, I feel. Mm. We, we lose our surnames and we can't always remember where we've connected. Exactly. In our youth. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really lovely. And I think um, for so many people that that have followed your journey and your um, just your beautiful faith walk, I suppose, um, you're an absolute inspiration to, I know, to so, so many women. So yeah, I do feel really privileged to have you here. Um, before I go on and on as a speech to you, um, do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners here? Sure. My name is Jackie Mangavin, and I went to school at the same school as Caitlin mm. up the hill in Kloof at St. Mary's, and I met my husband in Cape Town at university there, and we got married straight after that and ended up having a bunch of kids. We both started in our professional uh, capacities, what we'd studied at university, but after a few years, we joined the church in a full-time capacity, and so we have been leading church, I think, for about 15 years. Uh, a church down the south coast and now we're living in Durban North and leading Anthem Church and uh, yeah schooling our schooling my kids at home and spending times in the morning with them and running around in the afternoons to all the different things that kids do. <laughs> no, no I hear you and you said a bunch of kids can you tell us how many? I'm trying to figure out what is the collective noun for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I figured on, I figured on a, a giggle of girls and a mess of boys. What do you think? <laughs> that sounds perfectly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got two girls, uh, 18 and 16 years old. 
And then we've got five boys who are 14, 12, 11, 10, 9. Oh my gracious. Goodness me. Sure. How fun, hey? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it must be. Yeah, that's why I think sort of most people would say like, you know, three kids or whatever. Maybe it's past four that you get to the bunch of kids and not. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of kids. <laughs> just a whole lot of them in our house. Um, that must be really fun. That must be incredibly special too. I've just seen the bond between my two. I can't even imagine yeah. having, you know, that many young people in a home growing up together and the dynamics and yeah, bonds and it so on. So special. yeah, very, very special. special. Yeah. Um, Jackie, you mentioned obviously that you um, and your husband lead a church um, and that in the mornings you sort of with your kids. So, so what does like sort of a normal day in leading a church um, and and I know that you are obviously a very well-known speaker as well and author um, yeah tell us how you sort of fit that all in what does a day look like in your life so I think to understand it it's key to understand Richard and I work very much as two sides of the same coin or uh, two hands of the same body if you like mm. because he is mostly in the office and at the church whereas I'm mostly at home and yet our home is certainly the, the product of both of our minds, mm. uh, just as the church is the product of both of our minds, uh, together with obviously the rest of the team over there. And so I am mostly here, uh, I homeschool those kids that are still in primary school. And so I'm with them in the mornings and uh, busy with a couple of lifts and things in the afternoons but uh, I also will be preparing to preach or uh, weighing in on different meetings via the phone uh, in, in that way and uh, preparing running the kids church and writing blogs uh, written a couple of books so it's more from a home capacity that I, and uh, weighing in on discussions through rich or sometimes going into the office there as well Okay, that's really interesting. I like the way you said that, um, you know, that you almost have as big an impact there as you would being there and him at home. That's a um, good sort of team, team way of seeing things. Um, yeah, a really beautiful yeah, I think we example. Talk a lot. We, we, mm. we, debrief, <laughs> we debrief every evening and a couple of times during the day to make mm. sure that we're both in alignment and in agreement with what's happening in both places. So it yeah, works well. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, Today, we're obviously chatting about the topic of hope. Um, and oh, with every episode, I feel like the timing's amazing. And maybe it's because I choose amazing people that <laughs> maybe the timing would always be amazing. Um, but at the moment, I really do feel to message that many of us do need to, to hear and to cling to and to, um, and that maybe will resonate with not, not in, in a sort of exact way, but, but with the message I know that's behind um, what you're going to share. Um, so, yeah, thank you, first of all, for being so open with this story and, um, and for including so, so many people in it. It's, it's been a beautiful thing to watch, um, you know, from, from sort of the outside. Um, but, yeah, to sort of backtrack a bit, and I'm, I'm genuinely so excited just to hear you share this, but you obviously went through this sort of heart-wrenching experience um, and, and it led to this journey of hope. Um, yeah, are you willing to to share with us as much or as little you feel is, is sort of needed for this discussion today? 
Sure, sure, Caitlin. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So um, two years ago, two and a half years ago, Christmas 2018, we had an accident, my firstborn daughter and I, so the one who's now 16 years old, she was 13 at the time. And we were on our way to the Christmas Eve service and we ended up having a car accident. A motorbike went into the passenger door where she was sitting. And I realized that she had, she'd started bleeding from there. I thought she was fine. I looked over at her and she, we'd been smashed into and the windows had broken and all the mm-hmm. chaos, but uh, I was okay other than, you know, glass on, on my lap and things. And she was still sitting in the chair next to me. But when I looked over her, to her, uh, she actually slowly fell into my lap and I realized she was bleeding uh. from the head and uh, ambulances came, rushed her off to hospital. She had cracked the, the motorbike. It seemed like possibly the handlebar had gone actually into her skull in the front left of her brain and it bro- uh, broken some of her skull and some pieces were into her brain. And so they needed to rush her in that evening at about eight o'clock on Christmas Eve and to do a surgery where they would try and pick out some of the brain fragments and patch them up together and put them back on. So in the front left cortex, it was quite, it's quite intense. The, it, apparently it seems to be do everything for your brain. Mm. I don't know what the rest of the, your brain does because mm. apparently that's in charge of personality and higher reasoning yeah. and speech and all sorts of things. Mm. And, um, Anyway, the doctor said it was going to be a good four hours, the surgery, and we should maybe go home, obviously being Christmas Eve, explain what had happened to our other kids, which we did. And then at about midnight or 1am in the morning, he called and Rich went back to the hospital to receive her out of surgery. And I just sat (laughs) on my bathroom floor on a a fluffy bathroom mat and just cried out to God and just said, I needed a word from God. I needed something to stand on. I, I believe that Jesus is the very expression of God and that because we've got the word of God with us, that is Jesus with us, you know, that if, if Jesus can, the Holy Spirit can make the words of God come alive in the scriptures, that he can speak to us. So obviously at this point in time, when your daughter is uh, on the table of a brain surgeon, you're not interested in, you're not interested in religion, that's gone right out the window, and you're not interested in uh, any old promises that were for people hundreds of years ago, but you need something for now. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I asked God for. And I felt that he led me to Psalm 37. Psalm is just a bunch of songs and poems in the Bible. And in Psalm 37, it speaks about God keeping his promises. It says, keep trusting in the Lord and do what's right. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you'll be secure. And I was like, okay, God, I'm all for fixing my heart on your promises, but what is your promise? And a bit lower down, the verse says, quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Keep hope alive as you long for God to come through for you. And so I felt like his promise in that moment on that first night was that I had permission and we had permission to keep hope alive as we waited for God to come through for us. And it wasn't an easy journey. Uh, Hope seldom is actually, because the whole point of hope, the Bible tells us again, excuse me, I'm a pastor, (laughs) quoting from the Bible a few times here, uh, but it is very much our, our book of life. Mm-hmm. And in Romans, it says that there's no point in hoping for what we've already got. <laughs> That's hope. The point of hope is to hope for what is still to come. And that 
even Christians are still in a state of hoping. We're in a state of wanting what's to come, wanting the next, wanting the promises that are going to be fulfilled uh, in, in the next life, actually, to the fullness. And so as we waited for what we didn't have, um, as I said, the journey wasn't always easy. Uh, the next morning on Christmas morning, the neurosurgeon phoned and said that the surgery um, hadn't gone so well that Kiara's brain had started to swell uncontrollably uh, through the night and they thought that it was limited her injury to the front left cortex but actually um, as they had scanned her they realized that it, the damage was throughout her whole brain she had the highest level of brain damage that a person can receive um, they they rate them according to a couple of numbers and um, and they wanted to do the highest intervention, which at this point was actually to remove half of her skull and cut open her abdomen wall and put it inside her abdomen to try and keep that bone alive while they gave her brain space to breathe, you know, because obviously if your brain is swelling, the problem is that while it is swollen, you're not getting fresh blood. You're not getting oxygenated blood because your blood can't flow into your brain because your brain has got too much pressure. And so they phoned us on Christmas morning, the neurosurgeon phoned and said permission to rush her straight in. We, we weren't even able to, to see her or to get to the hospital in time. They raced her in for another four hour brain surgery in which they cut open her skull, um, half of her skull, which is also the, the biggest it's called a craniotomy. It's the biggest craniotomy uh, that they will ever give a person. Um, amazing surgery, what they can do and yeah. put this put this bone into your abdomen to try and keep the bone living with the hope that you would put it back again eventually um, when the brain pressure came down. But after the surgery, they by Christmas afternoon, they said, I'm, I'm sorry, it's not working. Uh, her brain pressure hasn't gone, up, gone down. It's continued to rise. Um, nothing seems to be working um, and that carried on and the doctor just said I'm, I'm sorry there's nothing more I can do he scanned again to see if maybe there was a bleed because you know it's not it's it's different to a, a brain bleed where they can drain the blood it's the actual brain tissue that's swelling and he hoped that he would identify a brain bleed somewhere to release a bit of pressure but there was nothing it was just the whole brain swelling and um yeah, by that, that night, the second night, uh, her organs started failing and it's, she slipped into, also they, they rate coma, um, a coma rating on a scale called the Glasgow scale. And she had fallen down to the lowest rating, the lowest form of coma, the deepest coma that you can get, mm -hmm. uh, which means that they do various tests on your body to try and see if maybe you can't talk or open your eyes or something, but there is still communication happening between your body and your brain. Mm -hmm. And the way that she responded to that showed that there was no more communication. So she was literally, she was in a vegetative state at this point, you are now discussing you know, do you want them to resuscitate as your organs start to failing? I mean, it's just a nightmare. Oh, stuff I can't even and, um, Yeah, You can't even imagine this, this beautiful child, this beautiful ballerina, oh. just gifted in every way. I mean, just a beautiful dancer, highly intelligent, highly well-read, kind. It's just, you just can't imagine what, what what's going on, you know? 
And um, in all of this, this word, keep hope alive, <laughs> keep hope alive and not always easy, important to have a team around you, people around you. In fact, the children uh, of the churches in Durban were praying at this point by Christmas afternoon, the adults were on the floor in a heap and the kids, um, one of them turned to her mom and said, her, her dad is a pastor of a different church. And she said to her mom, what is wrong with dad? He's so negative. Does he not believe the stuff he preaches? Uh -huh. <laughs> Powerful, hey. Oof. And she's like, this is, this is ridiculous. What's wrong with you grown-ups? Yeah. We've got, got a word from the Lord. We're going to keep trusting. Anyway, yeah. so the kids carried on praying. Night and day, night and day, these little girls, friends of Kiara's, moved into the hospital praying. And, um, and by Boxing Day, the doctor said, Okay, we, we now, he is no longer hopeful for a vegetative coma. That had been his hope up until that point. Uh, and he said it was now time to say goodbye. So we took all the kids in to say goodbye to their sister, um, grandparents, and you know, there's no concern anymore about infection or anything like that. They can all just go in and say goodbye because that's, that's where we are, you know. Yeah, I sat there in that moment and it was just like, sitting by her bedside, completely overwhelmed and reading the scripture in Romans that I just said to you that we we don't hope for today. We Our hope is in the future. And I had the most incredible miracle happen to me looking at my daughter. I mean, it's a mess. You're looking at her and it's just nothing you ever wanted to see. Um, and yet, And yet I'm reading these words about that God can help us to see and to still have hope. And I felt like it was a little bit like my vision in fact it was completely like my vision you know they speak about 2020 vision the optometrist that you can see uh, correctly from 20 i think it's meters or yards yeah. away you you see it correctly it felt like in that moment i was given infinity infinity vision like i could see into the eternal and in the eternal what the very mess in front of me was actually going to be beautiful it was going to be the thing that created the beauty and God just healed me in that moment it was the most scary thing because your death roars loudly in ICU experiences if anyone has been in ICU you'll know what I'm talking about there's just pain and death and the sounds of people dying and the sounds of people deciding whether or not to let their children die it is the most horrific experience and yet the bible speaks about jesus being the lion of judah <laughs> i felt like i've got this lion of judah roaring and i've got death roaring both roaring over kiara and it's all very well if the lion of judah is going to beat you know the the roar of death but in the meanwhile i've got to try and stand in the middle of the battle you know <laughs> And I just felt like God gave me the ability in that moment to see into the eternal and to see that Jesus does win. He does win and he will conquer death and he has conquered death. And I think, in fact, many of the times when we read in the Bible about uh, Jesus crying at funerals and, and being moved at funerals, that maybe it wasn't so much about the loss of the person, but actually the his sorrow at the fact that people still thought that death one that people think that death wins in the end and he could see beyond he could see what i could see in that moment that uh that we were blinded by the death and the pain and the things in front of us because we can't see beyond the season we're in we so we so short short focused we so we we see so into the short term you know and i mean you know what it's like even just a tall person or even if you go up in an airplane your view is just completely different and it felt like in that moment i could understand that anyway uh 
what ended up happening after I felt like my eyes were healed and Kiara didn't die that day on Boxing Day and we just continued to keep hope alive. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because the whole world, it felt like to us, our world, started watching, you know. Mm-hmm. I was driving to hospital to go and sit by Kiara's bedside. Now we're talking maybe five days later, maybe 29th, 30th of, of December. And on the lamppost on the way, the headlines are mm-hmm. uh, Durban girl is in hospital. Durban, you know, Kiara, mm-hmm. uh, the city prays for Kiara. It was weird how, mm-hmm. how much attention uh, she was receiving from East Coast Radio, the Mercury, um, uh, News 24, ETV News, which was about nothing at this point. It was about the fact that people had gathered around to pray. Yeah. Anyway, a couple of days later, the 1st of January, we go in and she hasn't died yet. Uh, it seems like her coma levels are reducing and it's time to, to let her wake up uh, so they had in addition, so at first it was an induced coma and then she had sunk into a deeper coma, but now it seemed like they were going to remove the medication and see whether, whether she would wake up, what would happen, mm-hmm. at what state was her brain in. And so they did that, they removed the pap and she opened her eyes and she was breathing on her own. Mm-hmm. and. We didn't know at that point, you know, who, who are we getting back? We, we've got to learn to love this new child. Are we mourning our child? Are we not mourning our child? What, what is happening here? Is she ever going to talk? Is she ever going to know who she is, who we are? Is she going to walk again? And she looked at us. We could communicate with her. We talked to her. She couldn't talk back to us, but she nodded. So it seemed as if she understood us. Uh, later on that day, she had, was visited by physios and OTs and neurosurgeons, and she gave the one doctor, the anesthetist, a thumbs up, and he just oh. nearly fell over. He never thought he'd see that. Then the neurosurgeon comes in, and she nods, and she tries to answer some of her, his questions, but her voice doesn't come out. Um, she's given a puzzle by the OT, uh, baby puzzles, uh, you know, a couple of pieces, and she starts to use them. By the evening, she starts using her right side and they said no, she could never use her right side because she her damage was on the left she starts using her right she starts pointing her left and right toe she starts using her left and right hand she insists on starting to feed herself with her right hand and fast forward r- literally a few days and she is out of bed she's starting to talk she's doing plies and tondus the ot is trying to do exercises with her but she insists on transforming them into ballet exercises and within a few weeks she is she's dancing she's talking she's reading she's she recognizes everyone in her family and as we continue to be able to communicate with her and to discover what was in there, Caitlin, you won't believe it. There's not a single, even single memory. And that's also one of the things that the, that little left-hand side corner does apparently. She, not a single memory that she does not remember. Not one thing. So. We told a story a few months later um, we were at dinner and we were telling a story and she looks with big eyes and she, she started panicking. She says, guys, I don't remember the story. Oh. And Richard, my husband says to her, uh, Kiara, this is a story about when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's still she's looking like, oh, for sure. those, like, is there one? I don't remember. Exactly. She's like, I think I've forgotten something. Oh. We're like, no, you haven't. She's oh. now in grade 10. She's doing Cambridge, English, French, uh, higher level, extended maths, physics, chemistry, biology. She is getting 90s and 100s uh, on average. That She's averaging in the 90s for most of her um, tests. And she she's dancing for KZN Ballet, our um, the ballet ballet dancers, uh, the ballet youth in our province. There's a collection of girls that are excelling that get chosen to dance for our our theatre here in KZN and get trained in order to maybe make a career out of ballet. And she is amongst those elite ballerinas. Mm. Honestly, Kate, yeah. it, it's. It's hard to it's hard to say because this is a, an unusual miracle mm. in the sense that this is a moment where heaven came into today, mm. when the future that we are all promised, that we are all meant to hope for, came into today. And so I tell the story with fear and trepidation because I think that it can make us think that everything must be now. And that's why I preempted the miracle of Kiara's healing with the miracle of my eyes being healed. Because I think what God showed me in that moment is that that is there for every single person who puts their hope in Jesus. There will come a time when he brings every good thing to its fullness in our lives. And the reason also why I mentioned that the media attention had turned to her even before the miracle is because obviously all of those news stations then went crazy after the miracle. Wow. Apparently, in actual fact, the news even reached to Cyril Ramaphosa. Wow. <laughs> and so it was a crazy story of God just turning the world, or as I say, our world's attention onto this little girl that had been injured. It was not, it was a, not a news story at the time. And yet I think he just wanted to show the world again that he is able and he will bring everything into its fullness. He will bring everything uh, into its good and full hope that we're allowed to have, but that we need to keep hope alive. We need to keep yeah. hope alive for the future time and to rest in the fact that he can do it and he will do it. He's, it's not that he's not able. He has a time for everything. Um, and I'm desperate for people to hear that message and for the miracle of Kiara to just be a confirmation of that message. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's literally, a, it, she is a sign and a wonder to us because at the end of the day, it's not like Kiara's got perfect health, you know? She can twist her ankle and she can get sick and one day, um, hopefully when she's old, she will die. Yeah. And there are some dreams of hers that will not be fulfilled, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not about, it's not about the here and now, but it's about the sign and the wonder that he, he can bring all things to right in his time. Sure. I feel like just sitting on the other side of a computer and you've, um, as the journey of just like listening to you and, and maybe just being a mum myself as well, I've sort of like got all tearful and then wiped tears and then I've giggled. Uh, you know, actually imagining what it must have looked like in a hospital with, you know, friends arriving. And I mean, I know, I mean, at the time, I didn't know know who you guys were and we were praying and you just how how big the story got. And then how, um, and I, again, I, I often come back to this at the moment, but just, and, and you've said it here, just the goodness of God, um, you know, showing up. And, and I suppose, I mean, God is always good, but but the goodness of God showing you that vision, giving you that picture so that even though you can share the story, which is 
so powerful and and so beautiful to encourage us all to keep hope alive he also showed you the bigger hope and um, almost to not like um take away from from the bigger picture i suppose hey i mean before the healing exactly um, yes yeah exactly and i think yeah. that's important yes and and i think like even in times like this i think i think i think um i am um, I've have been through, as you know, this this sort of rough thing with my health, and um, it's been a, an incredibly difficult journey for me, and to really try and understand um, why this was happening to me specifically, and how, and and just like wrestling with all these ideas, um, and and would I be okay if I didn't get better? I think that's also a big one to sort of yeah. sit with. And I just in preparing for this, I I was just thinking of everyone who listens, and I know I do still have loads of people listening that don't believe in God or Jesus, but choose to still engage with this podcast, which I think is wonderful because there's so much good from all different angles. Um, but yeah, I thought it, it would be a cool question to put onto you who's really walked this road um, with, yeah, with, with something that's so extreme and where I'm sure there must have been lots of questions and, and probably even still are. Um, but what encouragement do you have for, for those of us, I suppose, that are wrestling with the goodness of God amidst bad things obviously still happening all around us and in us or to us maybe yeah. yeah I think I think what is key is understanding seasons uh, often an older let's use the example we're both mums <laughs> and when you're in that season of pregnancy or newborn babies or toddlers um, or even school going kids and the busyness of that we get so consumed with the season we're in that we often miss it and we 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 don't we aren't able to take the goodness out of us mm. because we think that it's always going to be like this. And often an older woman or older parents will say to us, oh, just cherish the moments, cherish what you have. I know it's tiring, but keep pushing through. It won't always be this way. And even, even your comment there, what if I never get better? But the fact is, the fact is that that is not true. You will get better. There will be a season. It might be long. It might be a long season. It even might be a season that is this entire uh, life of yours. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it is still a season. Like we are not people. We are made to live forever we are eternal beings and somehow we know that there's whether you follow God or not inside of your heart there's just this it's, the Bible says that God puts eternity in, into our hearts and we just know that it's not for nothing and it's not going to be over on the day that we are no longer in these bodies mm -hmm. and so I think that it is key to read the season correctly and to understand that we are in a season of suffering so whether you're looking at the last 18 months that we've all experienced around the world or whether you're looking at this lifetime uh, we are in a season of suffering to different degrees and just like we need to read the season of parenting well or the season of telling uh, a student it's time to study put in the hours it won't always be this way um, it, it's important to be able to read the season we're in because it's that, it's that narrow-mindedness, it's that uh, when we keep our head down and only look at the road just in front of us, that makes us lose hope, lose courage, think we're never going to be able to make it because we aren't seeing correctly. 
if you don't see correctly, you are so discouraged. You so there is only despair for you. But if you can understand that this is a season and that there is a promise of another season, then I think it can help you to understand a little bit better from God's point of view. Um, I, I have learned so much about God by being a mom, by being a parent, and much of it has to do with the fact that my kids don't always know, you know, they feel like they've lived forever. <laughs> and I think, wow, I don't even feel like I've uh, been married forever, you know, mm. and yet that's longer than their little forevers. And we have to, we have to, why can we look that way? We can look at our kids yeah. and laugh. We can laugh. It's, it's, it's funny that they think that they've lived for so long. And you look at teenagers and you think, if you are older than a teenager, you think, wow, that's so, they're so short-sighted. They're so small-minded. And yet in our position, we're like, no, I've now lived for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm able to read what's going on. But we have to remember that just as we can look back and see that seasons are not forever, we need to be able to look forward and say that this season won't be forever. And God is good. And there are promises for us. Um, and, and, you know, if you want confirmation, read the word of God, see what Jesus did and listen to this miracle. I think that's one of the beauties. I think in every community and in every um, age, God has given miracles like Yara. And honestly, it has been amazing because she has, for legal reasons, had to go afterwards to be assessed by an occupational therapist, a neuropsychologist, a neurosurgeon, an educational psychologist, an industrial psychologist, um, and I think there's one more professional I can't remember right now, and all of them have assessed her. They've had her for four hours mm -hmm. at a time and done a battery of tests on her and then looked at her files and looked at her scans, and all of them have been flabbergasted. Some of them knew of the stories, some of them didn't, mm -hmm. and it has been so encouraging to just have these medical professionals say, this is not a possibility. This is not uh, within the realm of natural science. This is beyond the realm of natural science science and that helps us to understand that there is a beyond there there is something we don't understand and will we have the courage because it takes courage to take a miracle like Kiara's and take it as a sign that God is good that he will do what he said he's going to do he he will come through for us and we can keep our hope alive as we wait for God to come through for us I love that yeah and I love the eternal perspective in there too um, that it, it may not be for now, but it's still keeping hope alive. Um, you know, that that is a season two. And um, just as you're speaking, I was thinking of um, just, I actually read something today. Oh, oh, my word. Now I'm sounding like I'm really lying, but this is totally true that I read it in my own devotional. <laughs> that sounds like I'm pushing it. But um, I sometimes feel like I didn't write it. I'm sure you have moments like that with your books too. Um, but I, I, I had obviously written um, that we need to write down our prayers so that, or, or prophecies over us or words from God or whatever, mostly so that one day we can look back and actually see the goodness of God. Um, yeah. And, you know, not necessarily to predict the future. Well, not at all necessarily. It shouldn't do that, but, but rather to be able to come back. And as I sat there, I was only reading it at lunchtime today, out in the sun. And I, it made me think back to when I fell pregnant with Sarah, my daughter, it was, you know, we were about to start proper, um, 
fertility, we were already on fertility drugs and had taken a long time. And then I hadn't ovulated. And then suddenly I was pregnant. And the guy, he said the same thing. He said, well, you couldn't be come in. You know, I went in because in terms of scientific, he had my bloods in front of him. You know, it didn't make sense. And he said, oh, you know, sometimes these things just happen when I was. Um, and those are the things we've got to remember. Hey, it is those moments. And I'm sure, um, you know, we can look at these at these enormous, just honestly mind-blowing miracles like Yara. And then we can also look back in our own lives at things that we've trusted God for. We've said a little prayer yeah. here or there. Um, and then forgotten about it, but there's so much power in actually reflecting and looking back and saying, wow, I actually didn't realize um, that, that maybe that prayer also fed our hope um, and, and fed that cycle of, of keeping that hope alive for whenever that was, you know, that, as you say, that that season, yeah, would come to that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've heard it um, said that, hope is like an umbilical cord that connects us to our faith, connects us to what we're trusting for. And the trouble with, um, so our faith lives, well, our faith lives inside of us and what we're trusting for is in heaven, but hope connects us there and feeds our faith. The trouble is that hope is out there in the open and umbilical cord, it's, it's a connecting point. And so it is from one to the other. And it is very often the place where we, um, I, I believe in, in an enemy that we have to fight against in this world. And that is where the enemy is able to, able to attack us. Because if he can cut our hope, then he cuts the umbilical cord that feeds our ability to have faith. Yeah. And so, I, you know, most of our walk with God is literally done by him, but there are a few directives in the Bible. And so it is interesting that keeping hope alive is a directive. It's to us. That's what we're supposed to do. Keep hope alive. And as we keep hope alive, as we keep uh, connected to heaven by our hope, we are fed and our faith grows and we are able to walk in faith that can move mountains and um, and can sometimes bring heaven into earth, you know. Yeah, yeah. And see the goodness of God in the process, which is just such a beautiful thing to be able to witness in our everyday lives um, where we feel so unworthy yes. of that, um, of, of a God that's so big meeting us right here in our sort of what we assume mundane lives that, um, you know, continue, but, but he cares about. Um, yeah, this has been so good, Jackie. Um, are there any sort of final words that you'd like to leave us with today? No, no, I think that would be, that would be it, Caitlin. Thank you so much for having me. Um, certainly, I would, maybe, maybe this, that as you walk with God, if you choose to walk with God, if you choose to place your hope in him and in what he's able to do, and you let that feed your faith, you will, like me and like yourself, uh, develop a testimony of God's goodness. You will see God's goodness in your life. And so if you don't have a testimony that God is good, um, I, I totally understand that because we live in a world of suffering. And so you can look around you and see that things are hard, but the Bible acknowledges that. <laughs> it says that we live in a time of groaning and as if we are in the pains of childbirth, but if you can walk with God and allow him to start to develop a testimony with you, you will know of his goodness. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel like I'm going to have to listen to this whole episode again for myself and write some notes. <laughs> that's been a good one. Um, Jackie, where can people find you online, your books, um, in person? Sure. So obviously we're down at Anthem Church if, if someone was living in Durban North, but otherwise I am online on JackieMunGavin.com. Uh, funny spelling, J-A-C-I-M-U-N and then Gavin. Uh, and there are, yeah, blogs are there. There is a store there where the books are available and um, otherwise on Instagram. Jackie MG, I think it is, J-A-C-I-M-G, and also on Facebook as well, under the same. Amazing. And your books are available internationally, am I right? Yes, yeah, they are. Cool, because that's cool for people to hear as well. Often with So South African, the podcast channel, that they can't actually get their hands on it, but I had seen that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, they are available from Amazon. Um, they're all available on Kindle, um, and most of them are available via print on Amazon, except for the latest book, Keep Hope Alive, just because Amazon was unable to produce it the way that um, the way that I would like it. So that one you can order from my website if you are outside of South Africa, and we can just organize postage for you. Amazing. Thank you so much again for your time. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. And lots of love to all of you guys listening and trusting to hear some miracle stories as you've kept your hope alive. This episode has ended, but what an absolute privilege to have spoken to Jackie. I have no doubt that this episode has impacted you. Um, and I think just knowing that this month in, in my book, Walk Out in the Water, that we are journeying through the topic of storms and, and how we ride these out and, and sort of God's heart and how he meets us within these storms. And I think this episode today has just been such a beautiful example of the goodness of God, even in really trying times and, and even as we live through things that just totally make no sense, where we so badly want to question everything. Um, and yet still God has the grace to meet us in that, that doubtful space and to give us hope. I am, as always, just sending so much love out to everyone. Um, and the last thing I think that I wanted to say for today is that my mum's course, The Guilt-Free Mum online course, um, is officially open for sign-ups. We are on about day three of it being open and already spaces are filling really fast. There are two courses open. They are both the same course, but different dates. So the one starts on the 21st of June and the other starts on the 2nd of August. They, it's, a, it's a five week course. It is for mums to basically find themselves again, to get on top of the emotions that feel like they're all over the place and to, to remember what brings them joy, to be able to figure out how to carve out that space um, and just to come to grips with this new season of life or perhaps a season that's um, that you're quite far into but to mesh the the pre-mom you with the post-mom you and and to love that person again um, that perhaps you doubt these days um, or, or riddled in guilt so yeah I would love you to sign up you can sign up on my website it's caitlindebeer.com and you'll see the page under courses and um, yeah, I'm really excited. The course space is limited. And so as soon as it fills up, I will close those spaces. But I'm sure for now you can still sneak in and yeah, invite your friends too. It's all online. So you can do it from anywhere in the world. And there is a payment option, a payment plan option, meaning that you can pay over two months 
um, which I know is helpful, especially in these times. Sending all my love to you today. And um, yeah, we'll catch up again in the next two weeks. Cheers for now, guys.